like, like when 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 you go through our magazines the it's so beautifully designed and um the pictures are gorgeous in my mind i'm thinking okay let's say this person doesn't actually read doesn't actually read the content at least they can see what our aesthetic is and what we're going for in image form um and then maybe after looking at it for a few times like oh shit that's actually words yeah let's see what's what's cracking with these words and then we get them on that front so it's a two-pronged attack section podcast this week we have a friend a wonderful guest his name is naughty naughty Das. so introduce yourself boy hello my name is naughty i'm a 22 year old 23 year old um creative writer and head editor of uh, a e-zine called people of the soil um new edition out now um yeah and i write stuff Okay, so we're going to be talking about creating, and we're going to talk about why people like creating, or the kind of benefits that people get from creating things, as in, like, why do I make this podcast, even though sometimes it feels like way too much stress. So you have a zine, right? Yes, we do. Okay, yes. cool. Uh, so how's it like, how is it like starting out and making a zine? Well, <clears throat> it's it's stressful. Um, at first, it was just me and uh, the boy and co-founder, Khala, um, at familiar strangers on the socials yeah at first he came to me with, with this idea of um, a magazine f- uh, trying to teach young people young black people especially um how to be more agriculturally focused and how to be more sustainable and whatnot um so when he first came to me it, it was it was i didn't really get the idea um, but I knew that it was something that would have been cool, just you know, just in general. And I like creating things, so so he wrote the first articles, and the first one was sort of fine. I remember. Do you think that it might have? It could have been better if he had started before he actually wrote those articles. What do you mean? So, as in, like, do you think if you were part of the journey from the jump, it might oh, have no, been better? No, I was from the from the jump. Okay. Um, I'm a co-founder. Um. No, it's it like so. So at first, it was it was stressful, just in the sense of we're doing something that, you know, I I haven't seen before, and we neither of us have any experience. Like even though I'm a writer, I don't have a lot of experience editing, um, or curating. Yeah, or, or, or curating. Um, but yeah, it it turned out great. Um, then the second then. Every single one after has just jumped in in success, and quality and quality, and so now now that uh, new stress you know that's new like um, how to keep getting better how to keep improving yeah. how to keep pleasing the masses, not really, yeah yeah pleasing the masses but also just just coming with that heat you know just um yeah so do you feel like the first so in hindsight right as mm-hmm. a, you always start out a project and then. You get to the point where you're now like five projects deep or something like that. Mm. And you look back at that first project and you're like, oh my God, this didn't have heat or this wasn't mm. like what I thought it was. Mm. But then when you made it, you're like, this is the best thing ever. Mm. It's going to change the world. It's going to like become so revolutionary. What do you think about like how people have like those reverse retrospective understanding of like the things that they make? I think it's important. I think um, you shouldn't create something unless you think it's going to be revolutionary unless you think it's going to be the best thing that you can possibly do so i think i think it's good to do something even though to start something even though it it's going to be bad um and then as you go on and you get better at it when you look back you'll be like oh that is so so bad but you know it's it's i hate, I hate to say cliches but it's important stepping stones to go up Okay, that's kind of like, because I know you, and like every time you've been looking at your zine, you just have this huge like gleeful joy coming from your face, and you always keep talking about how, oh my god, just look at it, just look at it, it just looks amazing, 
So, like, how does that then, like, start making you feel, like, just, like, in general life, right? Like, mm. obviously, when you started out, you had a vision. Mm. And the vision, would you say it's, like, been fulfilled? Or do you think, like, it's still on the process of being fulfilled? Well, because um, our vision is massive. So, we're still on the road. But um, I'm amazed at our progress. I'm amazed at, um, like, Hala said... What this teaches, what 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 you want us to do is to teach people that read the zine that you can start it too. You know, like um, just do it yourself. And like we're not we're not even massive yet, but we are growing exponentially. Yeah, that's cool. So like, so your vision is still like intact. Do you feel yeah. like the more the more you keep doing things, your vision is changing or is it staying the same? No, the vision the the vision remains. Um, I think, I think... What is the vision? The vision is to, um, it's, it's, it's to one, create, for me at least, it's to create a product that's so above everyone else, um, in terms of artistic direction. What does it mean to be so above everyone else? Um, to just, to just have that quality, the quality in content, the quality in art direction, the quality in, um, just vibes, you know? Um, God, I don't like how that sounds, but anyway, but yeah. I think quality and vibes is great. If you can find a great vibe, you can kind of do almost anything. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's the one vision. The other vision is more serious and like we want to start uh, working with organizations on the ground to, um, facilitate recycling and, um, green strategies. Mm to 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 help out um communities and to help out you know just people in general so you try to translate the like the uh i guess figurative idea of like your zine into more practical and tangible ideas yeah well someone um I, we've spoken about this before but um praxis because right now what is praxis so praxis is the acting out is 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 the real world application of your ideas, and so right now our ideas, in the sense of like our content, hmm. is sharp, sharp, sharp. It's yeah. it's there, I think, or at least we're getting to a point where we're like unrivaled, at least as far as I've seen. Yeah. But now our next step is to start is to start to get the the real world application of like, you know, make real world changes instead. Like, so on the one hand, we want to change people's minds in terms of like, we want, we want them to see that anyone can do agriculture and that agriculture sounds like a big thing, but it's not. You it's can, not just for your farmers and your people who went to agricultural science. Yeah. Universities. Yeah. Anyone can be an agricultural anyone, person. Anyone can be an agricultural oh, yeah. person. So since we're talking about praxis, right? Mm. So your praxis at the moment, or at least what you want your praxis to be is to relate to like recyclability at least in the immediate sense. It might like lead to more things later. I wouldn't say recyclability, I'd say sustainability. Oh sustainability. Yeah. Okay. So like that's just like the holistic idea of your praxis. Yeah. Sustainability. Yeah. Okay. So then since we're talking about praxis and on here at the intersection we talk about everyone and all of the intersections. So now when it comes to like Shout my- out Crenshaw. Yo yo yo. Shout out Kimberly Crenshaw. Uh so we're talking about praxis, right? So for me own, like owning and creating the intersection mm. what's my praxis or what do you think like I should strive to then be doing within praxis I don't think I don't think I can tell you that I think you have to come up with like you have to have a vision and praxis is just putting that vision to work yeah. it's just it's to quote the um, the racist and misogynist Gandhi, you know, you, you, have to, <laughs> uh, you have to be the change that you want to see in the world. Oh, yeah. Um, that's a hot take on Gandhi. You know that, right? It's, it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's for some people, but it is not. I mean, for the... Uh, yeah, well, okay, whatever. Yeah. So, so you're saying that everything has praxis. So would you say that the Intersection podcast in and of itself is praxis or has praxis? Or does it have to go more steps beyond that? So what I'm basically talking about is like social media situations like YouTube videos or like podcasts or like things that essentially, or even like blogs or like 
articles. Mm. So those things can't be practiced in and of themselves. No, they can be. Um, no, they can be. They can be. It's just that. It's just that. Um, so because because the intersection is a podcast, and it's like podcasts are are built in such a way that they're made to make people think, and that's. That's a praxis. That's like, like it's it's made to make people think in ways that they wouldn't normally wouldn't normally, and see perspectives that they wouldn't normally. Um, and I think that's important. I think it's important for people to, to listen to people talking, and then have their mind changed, um, that way. As like I mean, books are similar, but I think to me at least because podcasts. Are at least in it's how it is right now is so such a new medium that I think um, there's radical possibilities within this medium. Yeah. So as long as I think as long as you keep you keep your vision clear about what you want and you keep trying to do it, I think I, to me at least that's you know that that's putting your yeah, you know, because to me, like, I'm just thinking. Is and like, then, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry to interrupt. And then also, taking the the things that you talk about in this in this show into the real world. So, like, um, you're dealing with depression. Like, you know, it's one thing to speak about about it on a podcast, but then when you meet someone with depression, it's important to have that perspective in mind and then treat the person. Yeah. So if I talk about compassion, then I have to have that compassion in the real world. Yeah. So if I talk about like, yo, I just want people to try to help me get past this point. When I see someone potentially struggling with similar or the same thing, yeah, I help, help them get past that point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get that. So it's basically like, so do what you preach. Yeah. Practice what you preach. Okay. And like that can essentially be like the tangible thing that ends up happening from whatever you talk about and do. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, cool. So another thing I was like very curious about is like responsibility towards your audience and yourself, and how mm. do you like manage those two? So I guess like for me, I guess like I'll just tell you, I like recently when I, I mean, well, when I did the podcast, right, and this is part of the reason why I took a huge break from it, mm. is that I interacted with someone who listened to the podcast, and they told me that kind of helped them get through a really like deep part of their life. Mm. As in, like, they were contemplating committing suicide and, like, a lot of those things. And this was after, like, me doing a family episode and all those things. Mm. And they said that when they listened to that that episode or the episodes even following that, it just helped put a lot of things in perspective and it Mm. made them not feel alone. Mm. So at that point then, my responsibilities, which I don't think, like, changed, it just felt like I got added more responsibilities to the thing I'd already originally created because mm. you start out doing these things because it's fun or because you really just always wanted to do it. Mm. And then all of a sudden now people are telling you really Dude. insane, crazy things. Yeah. Do you have anything like that that's happened to you or like, yeah. Um, not, not super crazy yet. Cause I'm still at the beginning of my career. Um, and, um, again, I think pod- podcasts reach more people than, the written word does so now, now I'm, I'm speaking in terms of like my creative writing um so no, the the craziest well the, the the biggest sense that i've got that that i have responsibility so there's there's a few things um but just just directly tying to to someone coming up to you and saying you know, like your podcast you know helped me a lot um i was i I sent the story to our friend Felix's yeah. um, girlfriend, and uh, it's it's a story. Uh, trigger warning: it's a story about um, domestic violence and yeah, domestic violence and um, the the how little South Africa seems to care for their women. Um, and I sent her the story, and she said to me. One of her, I think, friend's moms di- died that way through domestic violence, and um, and I, 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 that was that was crazy to hear. <laughs> um, 
so in terms of responsibility i think i think you have responsibility to to be considered to be as compassionate as you can be um i think you shouldn't stop writing whatever you want to do i don't think you should ever i don't think you should stop doing whatever you're doing yeah as long as it's not harmful to other people but um so like in terms of writing right like the act of writing isn't inherently harmful to another person but i think you have responsibility to take to to take any blame that that comes from it yeah do you, do you know what I'm saying? Responsibility is important in every single situation. Yeah. Whether you thought about it or not. Well, mm. actually, it's more accountability. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Okay. But like, so, you so, um, what's it? That, so the girl, mm. in, like in that situation, said that one of her friend's moms died that way. Mm. Did that like change your whole like outlook on like what you were doing? Did it make you take a couple st- steps back? Because like, for me, I'm just like trying to understand because... I literally shut down because I didn't originally sign up for this. Obviously, mm. I knew like it could happen, mm. but then when it did happen, I completely just shut down and just didn't know how to move forward because there was this whole new side of the thing I'm creating mm. that like appeared. Mm. I mean, it doesn't mean like it, was, it wasn't always there. It just means all of a sudden now, like it's in the spotlight. You could see it, yeah. Um, sure. I, I um it it hasn't changed the way that I write per se. Well, I suppose it has. It it's um it's made me it made me more cognizant of who I write stories about and how I write those stories. Um and I've I've, I've always been somewhat cognizant, but I think um that experience has in some ways made me a little bit more um because like a, a lot of my stories involve death um it uh, ask my therapist about why <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i guess ask millennials why death is so important at the moment De- death in dude um it's very pop culture at the moment yeah and and i'm also you know i i come from a south african society where um women are treated so terribly so i've noticed that lately a lot of my interests have been leaning towards trying to spotlight that in a way that's responsible and compassionate and um it's just it's just wild to hear um someone say that this actually happened yeah um i guess like what i would then like think is like so you're on a zine mm. and you have a lot more space and ability to like have more people contribute. Mm. Whereas like I'm on a podcast and it's just me and whoever I invite over or whoever's willing to come over, right? Well, and so I was just going to ask, like, so what happens then Then when you see that there's all these things happening to women? Do you invite then more women or ask more women to like participate in like your zine or write articles specifically directed towards them or directed at them or directed just at anyone so that you can have those different perspectives i mean i would love to have so many people come over but getting people over is hard it is hard um yeah kind of so so i've i one of my goals and i've and i've told um khala this that as co-founder um I'm going to try to make sure that voices that aren't heard are able to be heard. Um, like, I'm, like that's my number one, my number one, um, what's the word? My number one uh, objective. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I always want more women to contribute. I always want more LGBT content. Um, luckily, our new designer is um, is an openly queer man, and he's very beautiful about it. And he, well, he's very beautiful in general. Um, and his and his designs are out of this world. So um, I think that that helps a lot. Um, but yeah, it, it's I'm just I'm just really about um, as Salon said, you know, 
making putting a, you know putting a seat at the table you know <laughs> making sure that there's space for another person for another point of view for another angle to go at um yeah yeah i mean i'm personally a proponent that everyone has something to say and mm. everyone has something important to say mm. it just is then like how do you then go about saying that like yeah. this is, I, i've told you multiple times i think everyone should have a podcast everyone should have a youtube channel because i'm really, a therapist everyone should have a therapist yeah because you gotta get your things started out yes so like since we're on the intersection podcast right intersectionality mm. is so mm. important mm. so like what identity markers which you have have literally directed you how you create content and then how you move or shift and navigate the space of the content that you have well i think i think every uh, well okay so uh, to speak about identity as like something that's so solid is i think dangerous but um but you know at the end of the day you there are markers that you have that you just you know yeah find. um so uh i think every all my markers I, I don't think there's a single market that that um that doesn't influence the way that i interact with the world the way that i create art um i write in a way that i think a man writes, quote unquote a man writes because you know that's um I, I that's my perspective unfortunately um i try my best to not be the typical male writer mm. um i'm black and colored so those identity markers mark the way that i write um i'm essentially straight so um so you'll see that a lot of my characters are st- straight but questioning or not in question but like they're straight bat mm. or they're um n- they're just they're not i i try to make sure that they're not just heteronormative in a very boring way yeah um i try to make sure that <laughs> i mean but when people argue that the fact that they're straight makes them boring there's nothing like i mean personality is great but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. Okay. Um so basically what I was going to get like get to is like because of like who you are. Mm. Do you think that there's things you can't talk about or shouldn't talk about? Again, no. I don't I I I don't think that's the case. I think I think that I can write about anything i think any artist can write about anything but i think every writer has a duty to be one compassionate about what they write about especially if it's not especially if it's not an experience that they've had i think every writer has to be every artist has to be very careful very compassionate about how they create the art and also you just have to be ready for, to be held to account yeah i guess it's like everything's made up until it really happens in real life until it happens yeah so okay so i guess like so do you think like there's times when you can't show empathy or sympathy in like the right way cuz i know there's times that i feel like i want to talk about something i want to say something but i don't feel like i'm appropriately emotionally invested within the thing to be able to talk about that can i ask an example uh so like i guess like Uh sorry I'm just thinking. Um I think it's something that's not too severe. Let's get severe. No. It's I think cuz like I think like we can talk about severe things, which is mm. fine. Mm. But I think like sometimes you don't need to make a point by making things like very yeah. in your face. Yeah. Right? 100%. And I think in the situation to be able to say like there's something I can't talk about. So okay, uh I can't I don't think I can talk about like sanitary pads and like the access to sanitary pads mm. because like I'm not I'm not like a feminine person. I'm not sorry, I'm not a female. So mm. I don't like have the 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 I don't want to say fortunate like fortunate circumstances, but like I don't have the biological mechanisms to make that as severe as I wanted. So mm. I recently like heard something where like um they're trying to explain why like certain people can't like talk about things or well, not talk about things but why certain people shouldn't ask for 
more than like more than they need. So mm. an example is like if um a brother has a sister and she has a period and now she wants like tampons or pads. And then brother's like, Cool, but like I also want pads and tampons. Like it doesn't make sense. But that's 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 a that's a a liberal pipe dream. Like that's a that's that's uh, that's a liberal's idea of equality and it's like no, that's not how it works. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? Like, it's a pipe dream. Not a pipe dream. Sorry, that I uh, pipe dream. Oh, at least like idealistic form of equality. What does that? What do you mean by that? Be- because liberals, yeah, we're attacking liberals here. Um, Wild. Attacking liberals and and capitalists. That's my entire audience. Like this is it's the intersection, so this is great. No, no, but no, but I, I, I don't mean liberal as in like. I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. I, I, I know. Um, keep on cutting out. Um. Yeah, the the problem with 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 liberal, a liberal idea of equality, is that um they, they think, that equality means everyone gets everything. Like ev- ev- everyone gets the same things all the time, but that's not, that's not equal. That's craziness. That's like it's craziness, but also it's not critical. It's not thoughtful enough. I just don't think it's practical. Like yeah. I would just say it's not practical. Yeah. Like you don't need to give like males tampons because I mean, they don't need them. Give me tampons. I'll give it to my sister. But like I. But like <laughs> the thing is, like it's not for you. Yeah, you, exactly, you could just yeah. cut out the middleman and just give it, it directly just, yeah. to your sister. Exactly. Like exactly. I agree. And like I guess so. Like they were talking about that, and like in that situation, I don't feel that I have. I mean, I would like to get everything other people get, personally speaking. Hmm. But like the like the like that conversation is a lot more nuanced than just giving like a brother tampons and fixing like his entitlement or fixing like his need or want for those things right and like then when i enter a conversation and i start talking about those things and i talk about them from the perspective which people might say like i really need them i'm desperate for them it sounds like or could sound like i'm talking about it from like my interpretation of how necessary it is and then that quantification of my like the quantification of me entering that conversation puts like a stamp of approval or puts like a level rating as to how important it is versus the people who should be having that conversation putting the level of importance or putting the stamp of approval but i mean i suppose that that then speaks to um privilege and compassion again um i think you have to be we have to recognize our privilege and how my voice is a cis man it booms louder than maybe um a queer black woman and then i have i have to make sure that my actions allow for black women's voices to be heard it's again a lot you know putting the seat out of for the table you yeah know? um and just be compassionate just like just just listen like <laughs> Just actively listen and actually try to engage with people. Like, people don't... I mean, people lie, but... People don't lie. <laughs> like... Stop lying. Stop lying. Like, like people... People pe- people think that, that uh, minorities lie about things just because it's not in the experience. Mm. And that's not the case. And that, and that, that suggests to me a lack of empathy and a lack of compassion that I just can't, I just don't understand. Yeah. I guess, like, when we think about, like, conversations, we think about listening. And I mm. guess this will also be about, like, good content you put out. Mm. That do you ever think that there's a point in which you can bow out of a conversation or bow out of a discussion you've started? Because, like, mm. for me personally, I don't think you should ever bow out of a conversation, especially if the other person has not been convinced or at least has not engaged with exactly what you're talking about. So you know how like people will be like, no, like stop talking to that person. They're being toxic, or like that person's like gonna damage your health. Yeah, they might like those things might happen, but I think like especially if you're gonna be putting things out there, you have to keep trying to talk to that person to get them be- like to get them to where you think it would be 
best or at least to get them to a point where you completely understand your side even if they don't agree with it do you think there's ever a point before you get to like that i guess like plato's cave vibes right mm. it's like you keep going and going and going and trying to convince the people who are stuck in the caves to come see the light on the outside even if it seems like you know incomprehensible do you ever think like there's a point where you should stop because a lot of people keep telling me to stop at least maybe not like for the intersection but like i'll be sitting and talking to like a racist mm. and like as a black person talking to a racist that's just hard just well i mean correct me if i'm wrong but in plato's cave didn't the prisoner go back out yeah so i'm talking about he went so, out and then came back and in, then went out again he, he went out came back in but what plato was saying what Plato was saying is that the responsibility of that person is to stay in the cave and continuously push the others to come out. Um, no, no, no. I, I think, I think, <laughs> I think. Just no. Yeah, just in Plato, to Plato in general, just no. Um, Cancel him. Okay. <laughs> um, I think, I think, I think you have a, duty to explain as far as you want to explain like as 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 someone who's a minority or someone who's who's um being oppressed in some way i think i think it, you should make your case i think that's why we love people like malcolm x like um Solange, Beyonce, so, Frank Ocean. Well, no, because I mean, maybe maybe Beyonce, but I, to me at least, Solange is more, you know, fubu for us by us, you know, speaking to black people about black things. Um, but like, okay, maybe 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 not Malcolm, maybe more like Martin and James Baldwin. Um, they spoke to white people. They, they spoke to white people from a perspective of blackness. And I think it's important that we have those people so that we can so that conversations can be had. So I agree with you. I think I think conversations should be had. But also I agree with um Malcolm, which is like at some point you're you're you you'll realise that you guys are speaking different languages. Like you're you're speaking the language of the oppressed and they're speaking the language of the oppressor, of the racist. And at some point, you just have to be like, "I this this isn't constructive." Like, I think I think have conversations as long as they remain constructive. If they if they're not constructive, then save yourself the energy. Save yourself. Go to the spa. <laughs> just go do some self care. Yeah, like I mean, I, I'm not. I'm at some point. I'm 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 gonna stop caring that you don't seem as a human, and I'm gonna get a face mask. <laughs> okay. Just go chill, get those back rubs. Yeah, dude. Yeah, just, just vibe. You know. Yeah, I get that. But then I guess like then what happens is that if you bow out the conversation, you've passed the baton on to someone in that circle. No, you don't think that that's no. I think I think again because the conversation is two ways. So I think if I've given up talking to you, what that means is that you're not listening to me, and that means you're not having a conversation. Okay, so I guess like, now I'm going to say this, is that like what happens normally is that people will like try to have conversations. And I think like to everyone's, ben- like, to everyone's like giving everyone the benefit of the doubt, you try to have a conversation and then it just won't happen. Or someone moves away because they're like, I'm not getting anything constructive out of this. You're mm. not getting anything constructive out of this. Mm. And that person's decided for both of you that this is what they want. Right, and often it is usually the minority within that situation who steps away. Mm. But then the person who is not the minority then says, "You're not trying. Like, why are you leaving the conversation?" I know, like, I'm not saying it's like your responsibility to stay. Mm. My my thing is like, what what do you do then in that situation where people are like people are saying you've left and you're not being good enough? You have to read their words very carefully. You have to see if um they're giving you good faith arguments or if they're just spouting nonsense to keep the conversation going to be a troll um if the arguments are in good faith and you get tired i still think you, you, you have the right to leave but i think it's harder for me to justify you leaving 
if the person's putting up good faith if the the oppressor's giving up good faith arguments and you guys aren't seeing eye to eye mm. um but I mean s- still dude like like just go to the spa yeah <laughs> we, don't know you, we don't know you shit like <laughs> <laughs> um if if I don't like even even if if you if you have a great faith like uh, an argument in good faith and the the other person doesn't listen you're not having a conversation like it works both ways yeah. it's it's not just the 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 oppressor waiting for the oppressed to be in, to have a good conversation the oppressed you know vice versa mm. um so I guess like, let's go back to content right or creating content so what happens when anyone within your audience or even like a group within your audience says like I'm not getting any value from what you're making do you change what you do or do you just keep doing what you did find another magazine <laughs> that's that simple just tell them to just bug off if you're saying that you can't find anything constructive in our magazine then yeah go somewhere else like if 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 the internet is vast yeah so you have like a specific audience you have a specific vision you have a specific idea and if someone comes and tells you yo like you can change this because I don't feel like I'm getting anything of value from that anymore um okay so <laughs> I don't mean like I'm we, we're, we're gonna dig our feet in stubbornly like you know again if it's good faith we take it in and we try to internalize and we try to internalize it if it's bad faith find another magazine um so then how do you differentiate and I guess like, this is very different from like having a one-on-one conversation because now you're creating content and like how do you then distinguish between like good faith and bad faith because I'm pretty sure it's a lot harder than if like I see the person right in front of me and I'm hearing their words versus like someone just being like you know what your magazine just doesn't feel like what it used to be um oh because you know like when it comes to people commenting it might sound like it's it might sound like it's in bad faith mm. but it's not it's very much like you know you guys don't do what you used to do you guys have changed so much you guys don't cover the real issues right like those sound like bad faith arguments but they're coming from a place of like yo like where's that integrity you had so um sure that's that's really tough um i some i'm kind of torn there's this there's this tool song I think it's called Opiate where no it's not Opiate because it's on the third album I think where he speaks about a fan I think it's called Hook with a Penis the song where he speaks about a fan coming to coming to him and saying how he sold out coming to Minot James Keenan and telling telling him how he sold out and then Minot says um what you don't know is that we sold out way before you even knew us (laughs) um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I think I think that's 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 an important stance. I think I think that's um like people don't it's an important stance and I think I think um the thing so so the thing about creating is that it's easy for someone from the outside to be like um you don't like what you're doing anymore. Well, you you're lacking integrity. And on the one hand, yes, we have to take it into account. We have to listen to the person. But we have to then realize, okay, but now at what point are we... Like, the, like we can change. Like, we have to change. We have to keep changing. Mm. Bob Dylan said, um, um, if you ain't busy living, you're busy... What? If, if you ain't busy living, you're busy dying? Something like that. But what he means is, if you're not constantly recreating yourself... You're you're dying. So stag so stagnance is death. Yeah, stag stagnance is death. Um, and I don't mean stag- stagnancy as in like progress. I just mean just change it up, you know. Um. So I think I think it, it's gonna get very difficult to tell who's who's coming to us with um you guys have changed and I don't like it. And I think it's problematic because of this. And you guys have changed and I don't like it, but that's because I like your old stuff. Yeah. Um, so you're not gonna, like, buckle... You're not gonna, like, 
um, feed it into the people. Like, we like your old stuff. Go back to that. Yeah. Because no. you also want to evolve. You also want to get better. Yeah. Um, our, our friend Felix, he was speaking about some writer. And he said... Um, he st- this person stopped being a good writer when they stopped saying my ne- my greatest book is my next one and I think that's important so none of that JK stuff where it's like <laughs> I'm just gonna keep retroactively no. <laughs> cha- changing things <laughs> instead of like writing a new book that changes stuff yeah. or like does yeah. cool stuff so like don't go back and be like no my other stuff back in the past is great because if, like, this is something you don't know, instead of, like, going and sitting down and writing a new book and then being like, see, I am amazing and I am inclusive. Okay, now, okay, full disclosure, I haven't, I haven't seen the, the Fantastic Beats, but... Trust me, you don't have to see them. Uh, like, saw, they're the, not that great. I saw the first one, and she had an opportunity to be like, hey, look, Dumbledore is gay. And she didn't. So... I, and you, and you don't fuck with JK because of that. Uh, I think she still writes interesting I, stories. Whether they're good or not is another question. It's still interesting. Um, it's not like her old stuff though. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like her old stuff. No. So then. So then. Okay. So now that that's different between being washed out. Like, um, you can content like by content creating, by, by constantly moving forward and constantly trying new things out you can do that and be good <laughs> so don't suck like do it and don't suck yeah yeah like yeah I'm glad it's that simple it's it's not but I don't know what more you want like <laughs> I think like I think like when I say that is like it kind of is like it seems hard but sometimes like just looking back and then being like I could have done this better and then going forward and doing it like it's a lot of work but like a lot of work doesn't mean it can't be like simple yeah i mean like like look so so i'm a big bob dylan fan and i come from a family of big bob dylan fans and he was great and then in the 80s he found god and he wasn't great (laughs) and then god is the root of all things that are bad And then, Sorry, this is just the thing I know. He hates it when I point out God. And then, and then in the, and then after his God time, he was cool again. And like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that. that You're not knocking on God. I'm not knocking on God. I'm just saying he tried something. He tried it for three albums, and it didn't work. So what you're saying is Bob Dylan should have never tried to find God. No, I actually quite like one of his albums. One of those albums. But <laughs> if you, besides if, the point, yeah, that's besides the point. And he he has some bangers on his albums, but but that's besides the point. Like he tried something, it didn't work out. You try again. Mm-hmm. So do you think he should have like? So you're saying you try something, didn't work out, you try it again. Do you think there could have been a point where, in his pursuit of doing those albums, he, I mean, because like there is like the chance he could have hit on something revolutionary. Like, an example is, like, Lil Nas X, right? No one would have thought that, like, country music and hip-hop and rap could have, like, hit that wonderful fusion. But tell, he hit, but he tell, hit it at the... Wait, but he hit it at the right point in time where people were willing to accept both. To that... Except I, for the billboard charts. To that, I say, tell Tim McGraw and LL Cool J. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is McGraw and LL Cool J did it better. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> for the record, I'm not saying that. <laughs> Okay, so, but yeah, so it's like that, right? Like, a collab or a fusion or something like that can come into play when you least expect it. Mm. And, like, I think, like, an example, so, like, Bob Dylan, right? Mm. He had to suffer through those three albums to get to where he was afterwards. Yes. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes. So I guess like now we're gonna move on to a point in, like we're, like a different conversation point is like about like so do you think like every person has to get to a point where they either create a flop or they just have to fall into that gutter for them coming and rising from the ashes and creating something wonderful or unique? Um, I don't like the idea of failing. 
but yes um i think i re- i and i realized this at quite a at a young age when i was going through my brother's albums and records um all of my favorite artists had one album that i was like no and i think i think that's important i think it's important to have an atom heart mother um i think it's important to have flops you know Mm. um because it means that you're trying things and it means that this one wasn't good but fine the next one will be better um in the same way that that like yeah so i guess like it's weird because in my mind like i keep thinking about the beatles Mm. as in like everyone says that the beatles don't have a bad album a white album okay Okay. 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 Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and my mom was thinking is like, is that like I don't think they. Okay. Before the white album. Yeah. They didn't have a bad album. Yeah. Um, but in like hindsight, I like listened to like Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and I'm like, that album was weird. Like, I'm not saying it was bad. It was just weird, and I don't understand how. Well, actually, I do understand how hippies actually related to it, but now. People will still rave and go on about it. But I'm like, no, like, it's not that great. It's good, but it's not that great. Really? Yeah, and, and I'm just like thinking, is like, does your flop actually have to be a failure? Or, do, or does your flop just have to not do as good as the other things? Well, I mean, so this, this is the thing about art, and this is why um, it's, it's hard to tell what's a flop and what's not a flop. And that's why you should always try your best at everything that you do, even when you change things. Because even if, say, like, for instance, you're not crazy about Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I think it's one of their best. I think it's maybe... I think it's revolutionary. I think it's but a, I don't... I don't see the hype. Yeah, now, yeah, now you see, like, I think it's their second best album behind um, the one with Norwegian Wood on it. Whatever. Behind that one. Um... Yeah, I think, and and so, and I'm sure there are people that, that love Bob Dylan's Christian albums. I'm sure there are people that love Bruce Springsteen's Human Touch. I don't know those people, and I don't understand those people. You're not going to be friends with those people. I'm not going I'm not going to respect their opinion. But, uh, no, I'm joking. Um, but, you, you know, like, you never know what's going to work out and what's not going to work out. So, when you do something, do it to your best ability. If it's, if it seems like a flop, is someone's gonna like it? So someone's gonna like it, and is that good enough? Mm-hmm. I mean, someone's gonna always like garbage. Like there's people that dig around in garbage for fun. Does that make yeah. garbage good? Uh, well, I mean, so now that's going into like a different, a different conversation about what's good and what's not good and all that stuff. Okay, I also don't really want to yeah, d- delve into that because that's, that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other, a whole other podcast. That's episode. a whole field of philosophy. Um, but basically, what I was gonna say is like, okay, cool. So then, let's say, okay, like Game of Thrones, right? Mm. Mind, have you seen it? I have not. Okay, doesn't matter. So Game of Thrones raving Emmy reviews for years, for years, for years. Mm. Then this final season, it's not bad television. It's just not to the standard of a Game of Thrones set for itself. Of like constantly being nominated for Emmys, constantly getting like nine and eight out of ten ratings. Mm. And then like this last season, I think like it dropped, right? Mm. And I don't think like the reviews that it's getting, because I think like it's getting like fours sometimes. Mm. Um, are like what like they deserve those things mm. but do you think that something like that is inevitable even for something like is crazy good so even like frank ocean do you think there's gonna be a point where frank doesn't actually release something of like substance or doesn't at least release something to what we know him to release because people like blonde but there's also just like weird energy around people's reaction to blonde so now here okay this is this way not to get this way i i get i get cancelled um, you about to hit on Frank Ocean? Don't so, do that. So, so because I'm 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 a warm-blooded human being, I loved um, Mr. Ultra Ultra, and I loved Channel Orange, and then Blonde came out, 
And I was like, okay. Okay. It's not for me, but okay. Like, it took me, I know, I know, I know. Um, It took me, gosh, that album came out two years ago? Two, three years ago? 2016, I think. And I'm only just coming on to it now. So it took like three years to get you to the point where you're like, okay, I'll listen to it regularly. It got me three years to be like, oh, this is actually, it has worth. Like, no, wow. no, wait, no, wait, wait, wow. no, wait, 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 wait. I put that wrong. I put that wrong. So the way that I put it is that Frank Ocean has become musically more interesting, but I'm less likely to listen to him. But now, I'm, but now after three years, I forced myself to listen to it. It's like I get it now. I I can see why people like it. But it doesn't mean that you like it, even though you can see why people like it. No, I, I I love the first four songs. <laughs> like he's good. Yeah. Um. What I was gonna say is then like. Sorry, so, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure if if I still still us off the track of the conversation no it's I cool. think I think I just had something to get off my chest <laughs> <laughs> just, you had to come out as someone I, I, who didn't understand blonde I had, to, I, had to, I had to live my truth guys okay I mean I'm all about living your truth that's why we out here hmm. um so I guess like then the thing then becomes is like is it good if you still get your message across even if like people don't like it so for you you don't get blonde now you get why people like it even though you still don't like it does that mean like he did what he did. Like, he did his job. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yo. Does the, does, does the medium outweigh the message? Because, I mean, sure. if, if someone, like, picks up your zine and then looks at it as, like, eh, I don't get it. And then later on, they're like, oh, that's what they're going for. Okay, cool. I get it. Agriculture can be for anyone. Does that then accomplish what you wanted, even if like they don't really feel that way? I mean, well, that's why that's why it's so important to us that um, our our zine is so fire because, like, in in all aspects possible, um, you don't want any room for doubt of how of how well produced it is. Yeah, like so when 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 I when I when I show my my friends the zine, like especially when when the zine is younger. I like I'd show them in the club and like no one wants to read articles about agriculture in the club I mean maybe there's that one person maybe there's that one person but (laughs) I haven't met that person yet I've told you about how like my dream person is someone who brings on an entire book to the club and just reads it there I'll fall in love with them instantly that person is a psychopath (laughs) and he's looking and they're looking to kill someone um yeah so 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 it's just it's really important to us that we have that we attack them on two fronts we attack them on the static and on the intellectual. So, um, so like when you look at it, we want it to be undeniable that it's a beautiful thing to look at. Okay. So like, like so aesthetics are important. Dude, I, how many times have, have I said like aesthetics of everything? Like everything comes from aesthetics, I think. Um, and God. Um, <laughs> um, he reigns above. He reigns above. Um, yeah, so so, like like when 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 you go through our magazines, the it's so beautifully designed and um, the pictures are gorgeous. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, let's say this person doesn't actually read doesn't actually read the content. At least they can see what our aesthetic is and what we're going for in image form. Um, and then maybe after looking at it for a few times, they're like, oh, shit, there's actually words here. Let's see what's, what's cracking with these words. And then we get them on that front. Hmm. So it's a two-pronged attack. Um, so basically, like, Virgil Abloh, you'll get off on the clout of how it looks, and then people, after they've seen the, sh- like, they've seen the product and know that it's you, they then just start looking at, like, is it a nice shoe? Is it a nice piece? Mm, right? Mm. So you build that hype and clout around the aesthetic. Mm. So that then when people actually start engaging with it properly, they're, they're like, "Oh, damn! Oh, oh, there's something here." Yeah, kind of, kind of like I suppose like the first time you listen to "Damn," you're like, "Oh, okay, 
Kendrick's doing trap now. I cool. mean, it's 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 a vibe. It's a vibe. It's cool. It's a vibe. And then you listen, you actually you listen, listen to, to it, it, and you're like, oh, oh black oh, experience. Uh, oh, damn. <laughs> this person is doing everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, I, that's a hope, at least. Okay. So you want to be on that Kendrick thing, where <laughs> maybe you get people, they don't, like, have that single take, where they look at it and decide that they want it. At least they have a look through and they do the double take because they had a look through i mean yeah so so again because because i believe so much in aesthetics and the power of aesthetics i um i i want return reads i want return visits yeah so so um i want i want to even in my writing i want the first read to be an experience i want the second read to be a different experience i want every read that you have to show more to shade more in than you saw the first time. Do you get what I'm saying? I get what you're saying. So you listen, so you listen or you read something, and you get like the initial message. Then you go mm. back and you get like now the deep underlying messages that are that like aren't as obvious because the words are chosen in a specific way. Yes. And when you read it first, you're not looking for like the words that you chose. You're looking for like the holistic message or the yeah. holistic story. It's exactly that. When 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 I was a a, um, a child, when I listened to say Pink Floyd, especially the Roger Waters eras era, um, I'd listen to Dark Dark Side of the Moon. I'd listen to the, to Animals. I'd listen to um, even the Final Cut. I'd listen to these albums, and I'd be like, "God damn, how are they doing this?" Like. Uh, like how is it that every time I listen to this album I'm hearing something new I'm hearing a new intention behind the words and I think that's why I really love literature why I really love studying literature studying and creating because every like if if the writer if the, yeah if the writer is good um, every time you go back you'll see a new trick that they played mm-hmm. that you that you didn't know and maybe even the writer didn't even know so it's um, so like I so I don't understand I I that's why I hate like say copy, because a lot of it's it, it's so flat and like uh, you could make an argument that there's this and this happening, but I mean just plain boring copy. I'm like, why? Yeah. So you want that situation where people read it or watch it or listen to it once, they're like cool, and then they go back and they hear something. Even if it's a minute detail, and they're like fan theory everywhere. Yes. Right. Yes. Like then there's like a whole now like cult following because everyone found that one detail that second or third or fourth or fifth time, they re like, um they went over whatever you created again. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean it, it that that's what lit crit is right. It's it's just fan theories. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's yeah. It's just. Spend your whole life creating fan theories about work. Yeah. I guess like the first time you do you do or read or watch something, it's for the enjoyment. Yeah. The second time is now for like the deep introspection of the material. Yeah, it's like it's like like um like Fight Club the movie. Um, you don't notice. Oh, spoiler alert! You don't notice. It's old. Doesn't need one. People get mad either way, dude. Um, you don't notice. Brad Pitt is in almost every shot of that movie from beginning to end. Um, really? Wait, what? You see, he's in. He's, he he comes in flashes in, in throughout the movie, throughout the whole movie. Um, that's why. That's why when 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 uh, Edward Norton realizes that he's Tyler Durden, yeah. it's now like, whoa, because he's been there the whole time. Oh, and like he couldn't detach himself from yeah, like. Yeah, like I I. Re- I've told this. I really love foreshadowing, and David Fincher's David Fincher's movie in general. But David Fincher's Fight Club is a masterclass in foreshadowing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, anyway, we've been here for at least like an hour, so we gotta probably start wrapping up. So this is the intersection. I One hope you guys enjoyed. One more song. I don't sing. You know that. One more song. Well, anyway, um, Nazi's now gonna plug whatever he really wants to plug. Plug it. Yeah. So, so follow people of the soil on of people on all the socials. 
Um, follow all my homies. Um, follow Kule Mjo on everything that you can. Follow me at Nice McFly on Insta. I think my Twitter name now is last name, first name. Um, I don't remember. Is it at last name, first name, or are you saying at Das underscore Nati? Yes, it's Das. Uh, yes, it's Das underscore Nati. <laughs> remember, someone could go and be like, oh, at last name, first last name. Gotta yeah. be specific. True. Um, follow Familiar Strangers on all these accounts. I want to plug my other friends, but I don't know their handles off the top of my head. But just, just go on, go on, um, all our posts and just follow everyone that you see as tagged. Basically, if you go to people with the soil, like the links and also credits will be there for the people. And then you can just follow them on those medias or socials. Mm. I'll definitely put a link to your zine mm. within like the description. Mm. So people will be able to like find it. Mm. And I'll also then put you and Hala on it because yeah, Dope. For the homies. Okay, cool. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Intersection. I hope I hope you guys enjoyed.